Hey guys, if you're new, welcome. If you've been with us, welcome back. My name is Brennan Alexander, and this is the North Boulevard Fuel Class. We are the college and young adults ministry here at North Boulevard Church of Christ. Um, if you would like to check out some of the stuff we've been talking about, see some of the stuff that we've been doing, you can check us out at northboulevard.com slash ministries slash classes slash fuel. We're on Facebook as fuel forward slash forward slash North Boulevard. We're on YouTube as the North Boulevard Fuel Class. And finally, if you have any questions, comments, concerns for me, you can email me at brennanalexander at mtcscougars.org. I always feel like a little bit of a dork for doing that plug at the beginning of every one of these that we have done, but I've had somebody reach out to me through one of these ways pretty well every week, so I'm going to keep doing it. Um, before we proceed any further, if you are watching this and you are a member of the Middle Tennessee Christian School Class of 2020, your graduation was, yester was yesterday, well, Saturday, and I am very proud of you, and I love you, and you're going to do amazing things. That's my one nice thing I will say to you. We're moving forwards. So we have been in the book of Job for the last couple of weeks. So Job is kind of the well-known story of suffering from the Bible. And Job is a guy that has followed God, been righteous, and likewise, he's been rewarded by God for that. And so the Satan comes and says, God, I want to try something. I want to see if I can get the better of him. And so what Satan does is Satan takes everything from Job. He takes his materials. He takes his wealth. He takes his family. He takes everything Job has, and yet Job still refuses to curse God. And then he tries to take Job's health, makes him sick, covers him with boils, but still Job refuses to curse God. And so at the end of all of this, three of Job's best friends arrive. So the first of these friends that we looked at last week was Eliphaz. And what he tries to do is say, Job, I'm sorry you're hurting. I know things are rough right now, but you need to think about how maybe you have some responsibility on this and gives this long list of reasons of why everything bad that has happened is really Job's fault. And we talked about how as Christians, we sometimes confuse the time to comfort with the time to counsel. And Job tells him this, that I need somebody right now to understand me. I need somebody to listen to me. I need somebody to be there for me, not somebody to tear me down in this difficult time. And we also talked last week about how human counsel is just that, human. While Eliphaz has the best for Job in mind, the reality is he's wrong. And the only person we can really turn to for guidance in a lot of these situations truly is God. So this week, we're going to pick up with Job's other two friends. We're going to work through them, and then next week, we'll finish up the book of Job, I promise, by the final conversation Job has, which is with God. So the next of Job's friend is Bildad. So we pick up with Bildad in Job chapter 8, verse 1 through 7. It says, Then Bildad the Shuite answered and said, How long will you speak these things and the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? Does God subvert judgment or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, your latter end would increase abundantly. So Bildad is a real understanding and comforting person, right? He tells Job, you deserved what happened. And not only that, you trying to defend yourself makes you full of hot air. You know, basically you're full of it for trying to argue that you didn't deserve this. And furthermore, he tells Job that his sons deserve to die that obviously they had done something that had made them earn what befell them and that God brought, inflicted that upon them. 
Bildad's incredibly merciless in this situation. And that's one of the big things to kind of draw attention to. While Eliphaz at least kind of tried to work with him a little bit, Bildad's pretty direct of, this is your fault, you deserve this, how dare you? And I feel like as Christians, that's something we can take a lot away from, right? Bildad's argument is entirely biblical. He's going, hey, apparently you did something wrong. God's, God wouldn't be punishing you if you didn't do something wrong. So you have to have earned this. And kind of my biggest question there is, does that not sound familiar to us? There's so many times that we have friends and we have family that are hurting through so many different things, whether it's loss of a job, loss of finances, loss of you know, a family member, loss of possessions, um, or just struggling with some type of um, relationship, some t- type of disorder. And we're so quick to point out, well, you have to have done something to have earned this, or even more so, this is what you get for what you've been doing. And I think that it's so strange because we look at somebody like Bildad and we're like, you're so you know, merciless and vicious. How could you do that? But we do it every single day. You know, we may not throw the death of somebody's children in their face, but we'll throw the fact they lost their job. You know, we may not say that you deserved God's wrath, but we'll say you haven't been around the church enough lately, so obviously you, you do bad things. So it makes sense that um, that relationship fell apart. And I think that Job's response to him really kind of calls him out for that. There's kind of something to see there. So Job says in chapter 9, starting in verse 1, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. God is wise in heart and is mighty in strength, who has hardened himself against him and prospered. He removes the mountains and they do not know when he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the seas. He made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without numbers. If he goes by me, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. Job has the humility here to accept God's wisdom and to accept God's plan. And furthermore, he challenges what place man has to challenge God at all. And this is a place where I think in conflict in our life, we really, really struggle. Um, He has the humility to agree, you know what, maybe there's something I missed. Maybe God knows something that I don't. Probably God knows something that I don't. But this is a place where a lot of times, you know, we don't know what's going on. And I, you know, I personally, I can relate this. You know, I'm a teacher now. I love teaching. But there was a two-year period in my life where that wasn't what I was doing. I was working a job that I didn't really care for just to kind of make ends meet. I felt like I was kind of spinning my wheels. And I was like, God, what, what's the deal here? What's my purpose? What's my direction here? And I'm able to look back now and see, hey, he had a plan. He was moving this direction. And that is an incredible amount of humility Job has to see in this situation that, hey, I can't explain what's going on right now. I've lived my life the best I can to God, but still I trust Him for whatever is going on. And as Christians, it's tough to be willing to have that type of humility and to give up that amount of control because we want that. We don't want to put somebody else in the driver's seat, right? I'm going to throw her under the bus real quick. I have a sister that once upon a time was 16. I don't know if you've ever ridden in a car with a 16-year-old. It's terrifying. She would say, can I drive? My answer immediately was nope, 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 because I didn't want to give up the control of being behind that wheel. 
Also, I didn't want to die, but that's neither here nor there. I wanted to be the one in control of where we were going and how we were getting there. And so often that's the same thing we do to God. We say, God, you know, I, I appreciate the directions. I appreciate where you want me to go, but this, this is my trip. We're going to go my way. I'm confident that the way I want to go and the thing I want to do is better. And Job has the humility to say, you know what? This isn't the choice that I would have taken. This isn't the direction I would have taken. But I'm going to trust you're taking us somewhere worth going. So, finally, we meet Zophar. Zophar is a real swell fellow. He's the kind of the Eeyore of this group. He is the downest of the downers. And so it says in Job chapter 11, verse 1 through 6, Zophar the Namathite answered and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered, and should a man full of talk be vindicated? Should your empty talk make men hold their peace, and when you mock, should no one rebuke you? For you have said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in your eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom." For they would double your prudence. Know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. Zophar is kind of the cruelest of Job's friends. Because he says, not only did you deserve what you got, you probably deserved worse. And you continue to argue with these empty words saying, you don't understand, you know, there's got to be something to this, but I know I haven't done something to earn this. And Zophar says, not only did you probably deserve this, you probably deserve worse, right? And that's somewhere, again, where as Christians, I feel like we end up a lot, where we have people come to us for comfort, we have people come to us for counsel, and instead we're confrontational and we're cold and we're combative. You know, oh, you lost your job? Well, I know somebody that, um, that their whole family lost their job. Oh, you don't have enough to eat? There's plenty of people starving more than you are. And as Christians, I feel like that's something that we struggle with of not showing compassion to people that need it. And Zophar is a great example of this. Again, his concept is he's trying to be righteous. He's trying to be spiritual. He's trying to hold Job to a higher standard. But he just shows no compassion for his friend that needs him in this time. And that's something that God really calls for from us. When our friends struggle, when our friends hurt, yes, we need to guide them towards God. But part of that is putting your arm around them and say, it's going to be okay, man loving on people instead of just smashing them further into the dirt and the ash they're already laying in. So, our takeaway. As Christians, when people come to us in difficult places, are we consoling them or are we judging them? Do we take the time to help somebody through something and say, I want to help you get to the other side of this? Or do we look at them and say, you got what you deserved. Too bad. As Christians, we're going to ask why. Job, according to the Bible, is one of the most righteous, thing, righteous people that has ever been on the earth. And he still asked God why things were happening to him. It's okay to ask why sometimes, as does every Christian. It's okay to ask God, you know, I, I don't understand why we're going this way. And that's okay. And finally, are we called to rebuke or are we called to console? There is a time to tell people that they need to change. There is a time to help people change the direction of their life, change course. But there's also a time to put your arm around them and love on them. And as Christians, we are called to know the difference in, the, in those moments. So next week, we're going to finish up the book of Job, which I'll be real, I did not intend to spend a month on, but here we are. 
and we will see Job have the final conversation with the one person that can't answer these questions, and that's God. Um, I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and we'll get out of here. Um, God, thank you so much for the gifts and blessings you pour upon us every single day, God. Um, thank you for warm weather, God. Thank you for friendships. Um, God, we thank you for those friends that are there to console us in these difficult times, God. Friends that are there to put their arm around one another and say, it's going to be okay. God's got this. We ask you to give us the strength to trust you, God, to trust your direction, to trust where you're going. And furthermore, God, we ask for the wisdom to know when that time is, when it's the time to tell somebody, hey, you're making bad decisions and you've, there are consequences to that. And also when it's the time to put your arm around somebody and say, I'm sorry you're hurting, what can I do? Um, Lord, we love you so much. And it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.